Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and it's a a treat of mine to lead us in our Bible study today. So I hope you brought a Bible with you. We, we, um, if you're visiting with Renaissance, one of the things that we love to do is take a book of the Bible, um, and we're currently in the book of Luke, and we're just working our way through the book of Luke, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, so to speak. So if you have a Bible with you, great, you can follow along. We'll put words on the screen behind us as well. But if you look close, like underneath the seat around you, there might be a hardback black Bible, and you're, you're welcome to use that Bible to flip through if you'd like. You're also welcome to keep that Bible. If you don't own a Bible, we would love to give that to you. You can, you can take it home with you, write your name in it. If you already own a Bible, feel free to just borrow ours, but just leave it for the next guy. You don't need another one to add to your collection. Amen? Amen. So we're going to be reading out of um, Luke chapter 4, just verses 42, 43, and 44. But before we turn there, I feel like I want to share something uh, with everyone, something that's sort of been on my heart uh, from late last night to early this morning. And it was sort of confirmed in the first song that we uh, sang this morning. Um, so if, you, if you're up here when we, we uh, started the first song, it, it talks about like, Um, being in maybe places of turmoil or strife. Um, They use the words, uh, when the flames are close or when you're in the valley. I don't remember the lyrics. I'm a terrible lyric rememberer anyways. But I remember in that chorus, it says something, but I can still hear your voice or I hear your voice like thunder. And because we can hear the voice of God, then those dark places in our life aren't so terrifying to us. Like when we can hear the voice of God, then those, those flames in life that want to devour us or destroy us, when we can hear God's voice, then, then those times don't seem too terrible for us. So this morning I was thinking about that very thing, how to hear from the voice uh, or hear the voice of God. I've been a Christian um, 26, 27 years now. So by some accounts, I'm an, I'm an old timer, right? So to speak. But I remember vividly, as if it was yesterday, what it was like to be a young Christian, what it was like to have just turned my faith on, like to not ever having believed in God. Like I didn't grow up in a family that had church background at all. So I had no experience with Jesus or anything. And then, um, and I, in fact, in college, I thought it was a made up religion, the whole deal. And then, and then I had an encounter with the Lord and I became a Christian and it so changed my life. And I started to attend church regularly and I started to just be around other Christians. And so many of my friends who are Christians would say things like this, and maybe you've heard things like this. Man, the Lord spoke to me yesterday, man, and he said this and blah, 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 and I'm going, huh? And, you know, hey, I was at work the other day. I was out going for a jog or something, and the Lord spoke to me, and I'm going, wait, the Lord speaks to you? And and I remember as a young Christian just desiring to hear the voice of the Lord, like my friends did. And so today I want to spend some time talking about that. What, what does it look like for us to actually hear from God? A couple of ways we can do that. 
Um, But before we get to it, I want to read this passage in Luke chapter 4 so that we can sort of set this whole thing up for you. So uh, follow with me, uh, verses 42, 43, and 44. Um, Let me turn my right page here. Starting in verse 42. It says, And when it was day, he departed, speaking of Jesus, and he went into a desolate place, And the people that were around him, they sought him and they came to him and they would have kept Jesus or kept him from leaving them. Verse 43, but Jesus said to them, I must leave. Like I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. So I want to leave. So he goes, and then he says, for I was sent for this purpose. And verse 44, it says, and then Jesus was preaching in the synagogues all throughout Judea. Um, I think in those few verses, it doesn't seem like a lot to work through today, but I've, I've learned one thing over these many years of pastoring a church that you only need a few verses to, to really meditate on, to really um, soak into, to really hear something from the Lord. So I think the Lord has something for us. So would you just bow your heads and pray with me as we move into our time of Bible study? Lord, I've already prayed this morning that you would open our ears to hear you. I've already prayed, Lord, that you that you'd open our eyes to see the things that you have for us. I've asked Holy Spirit that you would come and that you would minister to the people that are in this room, the people that have made their way here, that you would minister to us, that we would feel your presence. We would have an experience with you, God. You are an experiential God, and we believe that. And just like my friends heard from God and I have over time learned to hear from you, I believe you want to teach all of us how to hear your voice. And so we pray, oh God, that you would help us to do so. Lord, we love you. If you didn't catch that by those those first few songs, um, let me say it again. Lord, we love you. Would you say it with me? We love you, Lord. We Oh my gosh, say it again. We love you, Lord. We do. And so we ask that you would be with us this morning. You are so good to us, even when we um, seem so undeserved of it. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So hearing from the Lord, uh, uh, one way you can for sure hear the voice of God is through other people. So again, as a young Christian, I was making my way into the faith, learning, you know, the Holy Spirit was sort of starting to change some of my behavior. You know, some of the things that I used to like to do, I'm no longer enjoying. Some people might recognize this sort of trajectory in your life if you become a Christian. And some of the things that you never like to do, like attend church or be around other Christians, all of a sudden, those are the things that you're sort of drawn towards. And, and I remember being around Christians, and some of them would say things to, to me like this, like, hey, Jeff, I was praying for you last night, and I have a, a, like a word from the Lord for you. Have you ever had anyone say that to you, I have a word from the Lord for you, right? Um, I, I want that for you. I caution you with that, though. Not everybody who hears something um, that's from the Lord is actually from the Lord. Amen? Amen? Right? Some people are kooks. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> and, and, and just by the sheer percentages of it, there's probably a lot of them in the room right now. <laughs> and that's okay. So what happens when someone comes to you and says, I have a word from the Lord for you, what you, what you do is you listen to it. And you, and you discern, you ask God and you say, is this for me? Does it make sense? for? Is it resonating within you? If you're a Christian, the spirit of God dwells inside of you and you should resonate with this word. If it means nothing to you, then you'd waddle up, wad it up and you can throw it away. 
And if it's really from the Lord, he'll bring it back another time. So that's one way to hear from the Lord. Another great way to hear from the Lord as a, as a young Christian, you need to get this, is from the Bible. Like, I can't, I can't overstate this enough. For 12 years since Renaissance has been in church, we open scriptures every stinking week and read the Bible. And it is our prayer that you hear God's words even louder than my words. So if you want to hear God's voice, you start in scripture and you read the Bible. There is, there's no shortcut, uh, or shortcut to this. You can't just stick it underneath your pillow as you sleep and hope it just sort of makes its way via osmosis into your brain. Like you have to engage with the scripture and, and read it. And in so doing, you'll find God speak to you in a couple different ways. The first way is you'll find instruction in scripture. I want to turn my Bible to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Ephesians 4, 26. Here is what a verse in the Bible that we believe is spoken from God. This is what a verse of instruction looks like in Scripture. Read it with me here in verse 26, verse, uh, chapter 4. Be angry and do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. So here the Lord is telling us something about anger. And the first thing you hear is not all anger is sin. And some of the men say, amen. <laughs> eh, amen. All right. Right. Not all anger is sin, but, but it can become sin. And so what the Lord would instruct us through the words of Paul here is that even in your anger, make sure you do not sin. That we need to be mindful of our anger. It's not to say every time you get angry, you're somehow doing something wrong. Maybe there's a righteous anger that is coming up inside of you. But if it's unchecked or if it's the wrong kind of anger, that will lead you to a place of sin. And you need to be corrected by that. And so he says, it's okay to be angry. Just don't sin in it. And then he says these strange words. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Which just means this, that the Lord is saying that, that he would prefer we be a people who are reconciled to one another. Have you ever been angry with someone and you've gotten frustrated and you've gone to bed angry at them? It doesn't get any better when you wake up in the morning, right? It's best that we deal with our anger with other people. And so the Lord, who is a, a God of trying to bring unity back together to his people, not only between God and his people, between the people and the people, as he wants unity, he said he would want us to deal with our anger. So is this making sense? So this is from the Lord. We can say this. So maybe this, this is helpful to you. This is not the main point of my message, but this is helpful to you, that you're a person who does have maybe an anger issue that's unresolved, and God would want you to reconcile. So this would be a word from the Lord for some of you, and we find it in Scripture by way of instruction. Yay. Okay. Congratulations. We got one. Second thing is that oftentimes God will speak to us when we read the Bible by way of example. And so in today's passage, we see Jesus stealing away to go to a desolate place. And we'll get to that in a minute. But it's this idea of solitude. Now, you can read all of Scripture. I've done it. Right. And you're not going to find a verse that says something like this. Go into solitude. Like the Lord commands you to be into a place of solitude. There's, there's a lot of talks about solitude, but there's not really an instruction per se. But what we do see when we read the pages of scripture is that a lot of people who followed God also found themselves in places of solitude. So when we read scripture and we look at the lives of the people there, we can look at, the, at their lives by way of example. 
We can look to Abraham in the Old Testament and see this in his life. We can look to Moses who would go up on a mountain to be with God or into the tent of meeting to be with God. We could look at the prophets, Elijah and, and others. We could look into the New Testament to see this. And we see it here in Jesus' life that he's, he's ministering to the people in Capernaum. He had just left his hometown of Nazareth. He was preaching in the synagogues there, performing miracles. And they, 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 they didn't want Jesus in Nazareth. So he leaves to this little fishing village on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum. It's, it's Peter's hometown. And so Jesus holds up there for a while, starts calling disciples unto himself, starts performing miracles, goes into the synagogues on the Sabbath and preaches to them. Sick people are coming to Jesus. He's laying hands on them. If, if you're visiting, this was all the last week's sermons. This is, I'm just Cliff Notes version, okay? And, and, and he's putting his hands on people and demons are coming out of them. That's just cool, right? I don't know. It's just cool. And so demons are coming out and all of this. And Jesus, at the end of that, at a, at a tired night, he goes to bed. And Luke picks up the story here in verse 42. And he says, and when it was day, Jesus departed from them and he went into a desolate place. Luke is one of four gospel writers. We call them biographers. There are four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are four of them. And they, they each tell us aspects of Jesus' birth, his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. Amen? And his resurrection. We got to end there too. But Luke just tells us that when it was day that Jesus left them. But if you were to flip a few pages back and look at Mark's gospel, Mark tells us this exact same story, but with a couple other details that Luke, for whatever reason, didn't give us. Mark tells us that when Jesus left, it was still dark outside. Before the sun had come up, Jesus got up, went to the Keurig, made one cup of coffee, right? No egos, didn't disturb the household, left everyone snoring, right? And left to go to a desolate place where then Mark tells us he went there to pray. Luke doesn't tell us this, but in Mark's gospel, we see this. I, I want to know, are there any 4.30 a.m. people in the room? Right? I know Robert, right? <laughs> like, there's no golden star in heaven for that, just so you know. <laughs> like, you you don't have to do that. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Like, I'm not one of those guys. But I know people who rise early. Um, and many of them, it's not just getting up early to get their day started. But it's getting up early to be with the Lord to start their day. You see the difference? There's a difference there. And so sometimes he would, he would get up early to go be with God the Father and he would pray together. And when he did so, he would hear from the Lord. There's a scripture that tells us this, and I, don't, I didn't write it down, so I don't remember the, the address of the scripture, but it says that Jesus only did what he saw the Father do, and he only said what he heard the Father say. And so for Jesus to do ministry where he's doing what God's asking him to do, and he's saying the things that God is asking him to say, he can only do this if he spends time with him. If he spends time in prayer with him, discerning from God, what do you want for me? And so this is by way of example, one of the ways that we can learn to hear from the voice of the Lord. And it says that he goes into a desolate place. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read the word desolate, I, I automatically think it has like a negative connotation. Does anyone else think that? Like it's like it's destroyed. It's a, a decimated place, a desolate place. 
But really, when you look at the word that's translated as desolate, it's really just uh, alluding to a place that's, that's isolated. It's barren for sure, but there's an intimacy and aloneness that's available there. This word is oftentimes translated as desert or wilderness. And all of that to say that these, this place isn't necessarily a negative place for us. It's not a negative place for Jesus. In fact, this word, when we look back a few chapters, when Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted by the devil, it was this word. It was this type of word. It was, he was, God was leading him by the Holy Spirit so that he could go out there and he could overcome the devil. So the, the places of desolation for us, the place of aloneness, isolation, desert, wilderness, valleys, whatever language you want to throw to it, doesn't have to be negative for us. It can, in fact, be a good place where God speaks to us. We see this in Jesus' story here. Um, I'm going to nerd out just for a minute. Is it okay if I, okay. So, the Old Testament, if you know the front part of your Bible, we call this the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, that was originally written in Hebrew, okay? And some of those stories are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years old. And the New Testament, the back half of your Bible, was written in Greek, okay? Makes sense. Now, about the third century BC, some Jewish scholars got together and they took the Old Testament scriptures in Hebrew, and they translated it into Greek. And they did this because everyone about this time was now speaking Greek. Not a lot of people were speaking Hebrew anymore. So they said, we got to get our old scriptures and let's translate them into Greek so that we have them. This translation of the third century BC is called the Septuagint. Has anyone heard of the Septuagint? There's a few other nerds. All right, I love it. My peoples, my peoples. That's what I want. So What's interesting is we can look to the Septuagint that had the old Hebrew words, and we can look to see how the Jewish scholars translated those old Hebrew words in Greek. And sometimes they'll take a word like, um, I'm not a Greek scholar, I'm just repeating what I read this, this week. Um, we take this Greek word, Aramon, which is the one that's translated as desolate in Luke's gospel, and we find this word also used in Old Testament scriptures like Hosea 2.14. And I'm going to read this for you real quick. And this is going to be good. Wait for it. <laughs> I hope. Um, Hosea 2.14 says this. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness, and I will speak tenderly to her. I'm not going to teach from that text because I have no idea what that means. I'm just saying, I want us to see something in here. The word that's translated wilderness here in this verse is the same word that was translated in Luke's gospel, desolate. Okay, whatever. So desolate wilderness means the same thing. You're on board with me, right? This is what blew my mind. The word that's translated speak to her is the exact same word as desolate and wilderness. It's the exact same Hebrew word. Hebrew words are made with consonants, and they, they don't have vowels in them. And depending on how they would inflect their tone or add vowels to them, depending on the context of the story, that word is translated as wilderness or speak. And it's, it just makes sense to me because in Scripture, whenever you read the Scripture and you see that God's people would go into a desert place or an isolated place, that they oftentimes would hear God speak to them. I'm reminded of the story of Israel. 
After they'd been rescued out of bondage and slavery in Egypt for over 400 years, they were held captive there. And God sends a deliverer, Moses, to deliver them out. And, and, and they're rescued and they march straight to the, the river that separates them from the promised land. And they're about to go into the promised land, but then they have a, a crisis of faith in this moment. If you know the story. And they decide not to cross into the promised land. Because they rebelled against God's plan for them in the promised land, God says something like this. He says, well, because of your rebellion, I'm going to make you wander in the desert for 40 years. And if you know your Old Testament story, Israel did. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. But hear me when I say this. But it wasn't always bad for them. In the desert, they, heard, they saw Moses hit a rock with his staff and water spring forth. They saw manna come from heaven. God spoke to them. He led them by a, a, a pillar of fire at night and a cloud during the day. In the desert wandering for 40 years, God led them, spoke to them, cared for them, provided for them, shepherded them. In the desert, in the isolation, in the aloneness. In fact, this word that's translated as desolate meaning quiet or empty or wilderness, alone, secluded, is, it, it often is used to describe a vast um, prairie-like area where shepherds would take their sheep to graze. That the same word is used for that, which immediately makes my mind think of King David in Psalm 23 when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That the Lord sometimes will just lead his people into places of isolation, desperation, if you will, desolation, aloneness, and intimacy with him so God can feed them the truth that they need to have to move forward. I've always read this desolation as being negative. I've always thought of that to be a negative aspect of the Christian experience. And it shouldn't be. If we were to look to Jesus' life by way of example and model our lives after his, that we too would seek out the intimacy with God in quiet spaces. I was praying this morning with my friend Ryan and my friends Ryan and John, and, and Ryan reminded me, it seems like every place you go, whether it's out to eat or something, there are 28 TVs on at any given time. How many people have more than one TV in their house? How many people have more than two? Three? Four, five, I have five, at least. I don't I have no idea. Like I've got three I can see for the same room. Like living room, kitchen, and like this other little room that I have no idea what we do in it. It's another room in my house. And, and what Ryan was, was saying is that we just live in a world that is, is so prone to distract us. It's so prone to just take our time away from us in, in swipes, and glances, and, 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 and little six-minute bits, like on TV shows between commercials. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we are so caught up in getting distracted that we, we actually don't have a quiet time with the Lord to hear from him. So God wants to pull us into a place of desolation. And hear me when I say that, that is not a negative thing for us. Moving on, says the people sought Jesus. Jesus got up early, did the Keurig thing, moved out to the wilderness to speak with God. And it says the people sought him. And Mark tells us that Peter was with them. 
and they found him, right? Not only did they go looking for Jesus, but they found him and they asked him to not leave them. Again, remind you, Jesus had been performing miracles in Capernaum. Just the night before, when the sun went down, the Sabbath ended, it said all the townspeople basically grabbed every person they knew who was sick, right? Fevered, toenails, anything. They bring all of them to Jesus. There's your jokes. They bring all the people to Jesus, and Jesus lays hands on him or on them, and they, they're healed, all of them. And he's preaching in the synagogues on the Sabbath, and he's blowing their minds with his wisdom and his authority. Like, they don't want Jesus to leave. And so they find him, and they say, Jesus, don't go. And, and, and he says no to them. He has to leave. Um, this is one of those stories where you look to, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is this, this is one of those times you see in Scripture where there's unanswered asks or unanswered prayers to the Lord here. And maybe not even unanswered, that's the right, wrong word. It's like Jesus says no to their wish. <laughs> Right? Have you ever asked for something from the Lord and they said no, or he said no to it? Yeah, this is one of those situations. They want Jesus to stay. But Jesus doesn't just say no because I said so, but he tells them, no, I can't because I have to, verse 43, I must go on and preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. See, the people in Capernaum, they want Jesus to stay because he's doing so much for them. And they became somewhat selfish in their desire to hold on to Jesus, as if I want Jesus only for myself instead of allowing him to go somewhere else to do the ministry that Jesus wants to do. We never want to be selfish with the things of Jesus. That the, 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 the things that God does in our life through his son Jesus we receive them, we are thankful for them, but may we never be people who keep them to ourselves, but we would be a people who would tell others about the goodness of who God is. That we'd be people who invite friends to church. I'm not telling you church is the only place where a person can encounter the Lord, but I will say this, it is a place where you know the Lord is going to be presented. For sure, if you bring him to Renaissance, for sure, we're going to talk about Jesus all day, every day. Amen? That's what we do. We don't know anything else. I'm not very smart, but I know that. You invite your friends to Easter, and they're going to encounter Jesus. You invite your friends to Renaissance or other churches. There are other churches that do this too, for sure. But we don't want to be selfish with the things that Jesus has done. And Jesus says, no, I've got to go. I've got to go preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Has anybody ever heard of the word gospel? Gospel is oftentimes equated to good news. That Jesus says, I've got to go preach the gospel of the kingdom. Um, this past week, I uh, asked a couple friends of mine to give me like a one sentence definition of the gospel. So if I were to ask you 10 words or less, can you give me a definition of the gospel? I'll wait. Right? And, and, and if you spent time on it, it'd probably sound something like this. It'd be like the four spiritual laws. It'd, it'd sound very Billy Graham-esque. It'd say something probably like this, that God loves you, but you're a sinner. And because you're a sinner, you can't be with a holy God. So God sent his son Jesus in the form of a human to live a life and to live the perfect life for you. Since you can't live a perfect life, Jesus is going to live a perfect life for you. And then he's going to offer his life as a ransom 
right? He's going to put, he's going to lay his life out on a cross. He's going to be murdered for you. He's going to take the punishment of death for you because that's what sinful people deserve. They deserve death and punishment, but Jesus will take that upon himself. They will take him down from the cross, bloodied and beaten and lifeless, throw him in a tomb. And on the third day, he will rise. Something like this. This is the gospel that you've probably got in your mind, right? I think, I think that's close. <laughs> I think it's real close. I'm going to push a little bit, and by all means, my email address is jeff at rendicator.org. Send me emails. I'd love to hear what you have to think on some of this stuff. But I think that message is actually more of a message of salvation, less a message about the gospel or the good news of Jesus. And, and I know there's a distinction. I think salvation is a part of the gospel, 100%. Of course, the, the, the Bible tells us Jesus died for our sins. We know that to be true. But to limit the gospel to just be that for us, I think limits who God is. Give, give me a moment. If we just think of the gospel, what Jesus is, is going to go around and proclaim to the cities around him, if it's just a salvation message, if we just think of it that way, then it becomes very self-centered. We become a little narcissistic in it, and it becomes just about us and what we do, what God has done for us and us. It's about us, and it's about us. And, and actually, the gospel is what God has done through his son, Jesus. The gospel, hear me, is Jesus. He, thank you, he... He's the gospel. The message of Jesus' life, his story is the gospel. That's why we call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Luke, because they're telling us what? The life of Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. His life force is the gospel. And inside of all of that is salvation. Say amen. Yes, hallelujah. But that's, that's so, it becomes too about us in that. It has to be about him. It has to be about him. And we gather and we laud him. We exalt him. He's the one who does the amazing things. And when, when we do it, God in his profoundly magical, sounds like the wrong word, but his profoundly mysterious way, he begins to heal people. Jesus says, when I'm lifted up, people, I will draw people to myself. I will, and, and then God can change them and heal them. We laud Jesus in everything that he's done, not just his death on the cross. Here's this. Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel's hope for thousands of years. He is their king who will rule and on his throne forever and ever and ever. If we just limit the gospel to be the message of, the salva of salvation, we don't even need to read the Old Testament. It means nothing to us, but it does mean something to God because years ago, when, when sin entered into the world in the Garden of Eden, God promised someone to fix it. That fix-it person is who? Jesus. And he fixes it for not just you and for salvation, but for everything in the world. He is restoring the world. The kingdom of heaven is at hand through the works that Jesus Christ does, and we get swept up in it in salvation. Yay and hallelujah. It is not a get out of hell card. It is not one day we'll die and get to be with him for eternity. He has done something now on the earth and you are into, invited into it through Jesus Christ. But his work, whether you come or not, has begun in the earth. It has begun. I have no idea why I'm talking about this right now. 
it, it just feels like when Jesus says, I'm going to go preach the gospel of the kingdom to the other, the other cities, he's not just talking about salvation to them. That many of these people were Jewish and they were longing for their king to come. They were longing. Jesus is the fulfillment of thousands of years of prophecy. All of it's fulfilled. Now, this matters to us. Why? And I'll kind of try to wind down here. I got about 25 minutes left. Um, you're like, oh God, I hope not. Uh, no, I'm almost done. This is why this is important to me. And I'm hoping it's important to you. Because if God can somehow, I don't know. I don't, I don't, God in his, his providence, working through the free will of man, like our decisions to say yes or no to him, to all of it, for, for thousands of years, if he can bring his son Jesus to the exact place where he fulfills everything that God set out to do in his life, if he can do that in his life, I wonder if he can do that in ours. That if God can orchestrate the world in such a way that Jesus makes it to the place that he's supposed to be, then I think he can do so in our lives. I'm not of the persuasion that believes that when Jesus came to earth, he had a download from heaven, like a code written into him, that he 100% knew what he was supposed to do. Like, I don't think Jesus knew when he was eight years old that his life was going to end on a cross. I don't think that. I do believe Jesus had what we call progressive revelation, walking with God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that God would show him more and more and more what his life was going to look like. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, all I'm trying to say is your life can look like that too. He can lead you. He can guide you. He can point you in the right direction. Hear me. He can lovingly rebuke you. He can tell you you're wrong. He has the best way for us. So two groups of people are in the room. There's probably more, but I see two for sure. One of them is this. There are people in the room who are in, are, are, who are in a desolate place. You feel isolated and alone. For whatever reason, God has taken you to this place and you can't get out of it. Like you've done everything you know to, to humanly possible to change your situation and you're desperate to get out of it. And I'm, I'm speaking to those people. It's possible the Lord has you there for a reason and he wants to speak to you. Rather than claw your way out of the situation you find yourself in, why not give yourself a couple days this week? A couple days in the morning, you rise a little early, you hit the Keurig and you go sit in a quiet place and you listen for God's voice. Lord, I pray, give them ears to hear. There's no condemnation here. There is, there's nothing but the love of God, the Father who has a, a passionate plan for our lives. God, we, they need to hear that. We need to hear that. The second group of people, I think, are the ones who are so busy. You have so many, you have 28 TVs going on at all times. The, the enemy, the ruler of this world, Satan, the devil, whatever, right? He is so crafty and he has got us so busy with everything. Um, and it is hard to get quiet before the Lord, isn't it? You don't believe me? Um, give me your phone and you can pick it up next week. 
I'll hold on to it, I promise you. I'll put it in my safe in my office, it'll be fine. You don't think you're overly stimulated by things in this world? Try to set your phone down for an afternoon. Try to turn your TV off for an afternoon. Seriously, just try it. I think there's a group of people who the Lord would be inviting into a place like that this morning. There'll be a group of people saying, hey, man, the, you don't, it's not like you're not even in a weird spot. Like, I don't know what to do next. Lord, I'm in so much trouble. Help me, help me, help me. It's not that, but God has more for you, but you're just, you're just dwelling in this cesspool of just busyness. And there's, so, there's so much more for you. Anyone in the room? Okay. Thank you, Lord. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Jesus. He's the one. He's the way, the truth. He's the life. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's never not been ordained to be Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. He'll be the one that every knee will bow before. It's King Jesus who rules and reigns forever. It's Jesus always. It's Jesus. It's the name of Jesus that puts darkness to, to flight. It's the name Jesus that brings light into people's lives. It's Jesus. Who is it again? Oh. You guys are paying attention. <laughs> Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love you. We love you. We thank you for everything that you do. We ask, God, that you would give us by your Holy Spirit the wind in our lungs, Lord, to sing to you. That we would have the words to sing praise to you. That we would use our time to declare the goodness of who Jesus is to the world around us. That we would spend time speaking Jesus even over our own lives and family. Jesus, you are the one. Jesus, you are the one. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord. We need, to, we, need to, we need help, God. Help us to grow in you. Help us to know the truth. Would you stand to your feet? If you could... Um, if you could, uh, sorry, if you could take your hands out of your pockets. Sorry, Nate. And let's just, this is getting weird. It's weird for me too, just for the record. Like, I didn't know I was going to do this. It's okay. Right? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm not going to ask you to grab the hand of the person sitting next to you, because that's weird. Um, but if you could just turn your palms upwards, like you just want to just, like you're trying to just grab a hold of what God has. Right? We're going to be a little charismatic here. Not, we're going to full charismatic, just a little charismatic. And just, just say in your heart with me, Lord, I want to receive from you today. I want to receive from you. My hands are open. It's just a, 
a posture of my heart, Lord, just a, a repre representation of, of my insides, Lord. I want more of you this morning. I've made it much about me, Lord, and, uh, and that's, a, that's on me, Lord. I, I've, I've made a mistake there. I want to I turn back. I want to make it about you. So I receive that this morning. Lord, I pray you just continue to pour into me that you give me the, the, the tuning to hear from the voice of you, Lord. I want to I read in scripture your instruction and your example, and I want to hear your voice speak, Lord. So we just ask, God, that you would give us more of that. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. We think um, we don't want to do this without you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you.